And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hensbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Talk with the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hawk. It is a great day to be a tar to be a Tar Heel. We just smashed the Dukies and sent them back to Duke with an L. Uh, amazing feeling, and it's going to be an, an amazing pod. You don't want to miss it. So, sleep. I'm ready. I couldn't wait for this one, guys. Uh, if you are heading to work on Monday or like at work, just basking in the glory. What a game! I mean, we kicked the teeth out of Duke on uh, Saturday night. What a game! Uh, we're going to get into all of it, kind of break it down. Um, Touch on the Georgia Tech game, which is funny. You know, the last game, I'm starting to wonder if maybe we got a curse going on here at SHWW because about every time we tell tell you a team is uh, we do everything but tell you not to worry about them. And then seems to be the kiss of death. Um, definitely didn't look that great then, but I can't think point of it is it goes to show in the grand scheme of things. Some some losses don't really matter that much. Big football game coming up next week. Super Bowl Whatever. I, I'm going to talk about how much it bothers me that the Super Bowl is still determined by like letters. Like just put the number on there so I know what Super Bowl it is. Um, Roman times. Uh, NBA trade deadline and all star snubs. Might even get into that if we get short winded on anything else, which is unlike me at least. So uh, let's start with Duke, man. So um, 93 84, we got down 2 0. And never trailed again. Game got tied 22 in the first half. And even though there was a few times there where it, you know, got under 10, which in general kind of made you nervous, it was unique for me because it is an uncharacteristically stress-free game to watch from my standpoint. I, I just felt like we had in hand the whole way. Absolutely. And I agree with you, Sleep. The score was 84-93, like you just mentioned. And the game wasn't even that close. We could have blown the doors off of them if it wasn't for a little bit of a spurt uh, where the Dukies showed a little bit of sign of life towards the end. And let's just say that was an atrocious call at the end of the game on R.J. Davis. I do not know how you look at a review and come to that conclusion. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And Roger is one of the better refs in college basketball, and I think he's a good ref, but good God. Guys, that was a horrendous call, and I've seen a lot of calls in my life. That one goes right to the top is one of the worst calls I've seen, but you know what? I didn't come here to complain about the refs. They did a decent job, but that call was awful, and uh, I will say I thought the Filipowski clothesline on RJ, I thought that should have been a T, uh, especially mm-hmm. in today's game, uh, but you know what? Uh, I think the the story, the headlines that I take away from this game, the telltale sign, is we bully balled them. We mm-hmm. beat them up with our physicality, and I thought Armando showed us what he's capable of doing. And he said, hey, listen, uh, I'm still Armando, and I can still have big games, and I'm still one of the best big men in the country. Uh, he had 25, 10, and 5 assists. And when he has nights like that, he reminds us, why he's so good, man, this team is tough. And I really felt like Duke didn't have an answer for him. I thought he handled Filipowski pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Filipowski is a very dynamic big and do a lot of different things. He's a tough load. Uh, I thought Armando did a great job on both ends against him. And he made him guard. He made him work. 
Uh, he was physical. He dominated the game inside. And uh, I thought that was a story. But also, Harrison Ingram, we've talked about it mm-hmm. all year. Uh, he comes in 21 points, 13 rebounds. That is huge. And, and we've had our rebounding issues, but he has he has brought a new new life to the team. And I've talked about it. His addition, it can never be underestimated. He's one of those guys that, that comes into this team and just makes us a whole totally different look. We can do a lot of different things. His versatility inside and out gives us different looks, has the ability to go small, let Mondo kind of do his things uh, down low. But also he's a great ISO post player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's some times in the season where, you know, we kind of – ran RJ, you know, ran Mondo a little bit, and we, we just need to find a little bit of scoring for somebody else, and he's been one of those guys that, all right, we're going to ISO Harrison, and he's just showed he's been better than advertised. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably one of the best transfers in the country, if not the best. Hunter Dickinson's up there. He's up there as well with him. Um, but uh, I will say Duke was a team that kind of worried me. I thought uh, they have very good guards, Jeremy Roach, McCain kid. He can, McCain, McCain can play. I thought he got hot a little bit late. Mm-hmm. Um, he can make tough shots. Filipowski's good. I, I just think that Duke hasn't reached their potential. And uh, that's, you know, Duke received a lot of preseason hype. I just don't think they've played to their potential yet. And I still think that they're a factor and they're going to be a good team. But we're a much better team at this point than Duke is. And that's what I take away from this game. And we are by far the most dominant team in the ACC. And if we keep playing like this, I think we are in final four contention. And I feel pretty confident about saying that I've, I've said all along, big picture college basketball, Purdue and UConn are up there and Kansas is starting to be one of those teams. And we're starting to, we're right Mm -hmm. there with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I like the direction this team is heading and also, uh, I want to give a lot of credit to Seth Trimble because what he's doing is not easy. Uh, coming in off the bench um, and providing us with so much. His defense, taking the best player on the other team and just locking them locking them down night in and night out. Uh, he's, he's a guy that has embraced his role mm-hmm. so much, and that's not an easy thing to do because I, I think the ceiling – for Seth Trimble is high. I think he's athletic. I think he's dynamic. And I think once he gets more minutes and he becomes, you know, you know, more and more of the picture, I think we're going to start seeing things that we, we didn't know that he could do. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I love what he's doing for this team. And we've got to give him credit because he is a bench guy that uh, isn't going to take the headlines a lot of nights, but he's doing so much for this team. And he is one of those pieces that is just so important. I love the way he's playing and uh, also, it was a great victory for us because we didn't have to rely so much on RJ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great to see that we have weapons at you know pretty much every end, and we're deep. And uh, I, I like what I mean. Sleep, we can lose anybody, but this team, man, <laughs> we are uh, man. Before the season, I just I never like I I just. I'm just so happy in the position we're at. I just think we're playing so well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, one of the things that we sort of neglect to talk about a lot in the context of the players and who's playing well is uh, Hubert Davis. I mean, mm-hmm. look, look, now what you have to look at is you're going on three seasons and two of them are a drastic 
uh, exceeding of expectations. I mean, the first year he was here, he run to the final four. I agree with you completely. And ever since we kind of said that, you know, Carolina is in that rung right below those two top teams that have separated themselves after a loss to Georgia Tech, I still think that we have played our way closer to, you know, the upper echelon of the league. And I think whatever's going on in the team, um, you know, they're clicking. You look at the bench players to your point. You got a guy like Jalen Washington gets four minutes and you look over there on the bench and he's engaged the whole time, you know, and he's definitely seems to have some confidence issues from time to time. He's a little growing pains, but I think he's another guy that once he gets his shot and a little bit under, you know, experience under him, he's going to be a lot better. But, um, but yeah, as far as the game is concerned, um, it was very clear that Duke was intent on not letting RJ Davis beat him. And I think in watching the game, I think that they sort of maybe were a little reeled into the fact that Armando hadn't been, you know, producing big numbers. And maybe they thought that, uh, you know, they could, they could, you know, put Filipowski on him and, and down low and they'd win that matchup. And I mean, Baycott to me, his his performance aside from the fact that it was like obviously statistically, and if you were at the game or watched the game, it was very clear. I mean, he was the most dominant player on the court, and um, you know he stepped up and he needed to. And to me, I've said this you know for a few you know a few weeks now. I think Harrison Ingram's playing himself into the NBA. Now I'm not saying he's gonna be a star, but I think he's definitely a second round pick at this point. His body type, his his IQ. Uh, to your point, his he he can post and he's he's big. I mean, he's six mm-hmm. seven, and he's an interesting player to me because a lot of these kids that are young and just super super talented, right, um, are 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 a bit raw, right? So they come and they maybe stay a year, they maybe stay two. But the thing that I think a lot of people lose sight of is that you know when you come into college at eighteen years old, there's a like a body change element to you know getting from 18 to like 23, 24, 25, like your, your body just changes. And at that point, you know, and and that's kind of where I see Ingram. So you're kind of like, all right, well, nobody's ever quote unquote kind of heard of a guy, but now all of a sudden, like his body's filling out, he's coming into form. He's great. Um, he's a great, uh, uh, like technical player. Like he, he does all the, you know, fundamentals. Right. Um, and man, I, I think, I think Cam Johnson's got to be the best transfer as far as I know. Maybe we had some other transfer that I didn't realize was a transfer. He's probably the best transfer we've ever had. And I think, I think Harrison Ingram might be the, might be better when it's all said and done in terms of like what his role on the team is. I mean, he is, (laughs) he's, he could potentially, I mean, there's a lot of guys you could call the MVP on the team, but he is so important. Um, RJ, you know, to, and, and that's the thing is, is he demanded so much attention, didn't shoot particularly well, but wasn't dreadful. It wound up, still wound up with 17 points, but just affected the game so much because they had a, I had a guy on him at all times. And, you know, I felt Cormac Ryan played, you know, a lot with a lot of spirit, like he always does. And you look at Cadeau, didn't shoot the ball well, but still sort of like, possess some sort of it factor where he, he was able to get around and move. And the thing, the thing about Duke that I found interesting is they got a lot of good finishers around the rim. A lot of their guards are quick and they got to the rim and they were making some layups that like, I'm thinking like, there's, there's some degree of difficulty in how they're finishing. It reminded me like, you know, a guy like Ty Lawson, it was like you all, 
those guys do not remind me of Ty Lawson. What I'm saying <laughs> is, is that skill set of just getting to the bucket and the ball just always goes in. Like that's what I kept feeling with those guys. I was like, they miss a couple of those hard shots. All of a sudden the lead goes from 10 or 12 to 15, 16, 18, and the game's over. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I really thought that, um, that they, I, I, it was the first time I left thinking we are significantly better than Duke, um, in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and before I shut up, those two calls you mentioned were atrocious. I don't even think they were the worst calls. I think the worst call was on the McCain three where Cadeau closes out. There's an obvious no contact, at least not. A, I couldn't mm-hmm. see it on the scoreboard or I was on the other side of the court where I was sitting, but he came down on his own and just fell. They go and review it now. And we were, this was a 13 point game in the second half of the seven or eight minutes to go. He shoots the three, misses it. We get the rebound. They call the foul. They review the foul and they uphold it. And he makes the three free throws. We come down and Mondo misses. They come down and get one of those layups. I was just talking about it's an eight point game. And that was when I was like, here we go. No mm-hmm. way. Right. But to Carolina's credit, and this is, you know, kind of in general, what, what I'll end on on this topic is they weathered that storm. Like nobody got pissed. Nobody got, nobody got, uh, let this, the, the outside noise of the referees or anything never seemed to bother anybody except for the fans and we were <laughs> dude there was some great takes from dudes in the, in oh, the stands man. absolutely <laughs> they were making those calls but yeah i mean it was just, it was an outstanding performance all around but yeah know. it was a beautiful night's sleep and uh <laughs> yes man sometimes these refs it just it's part of the game mm-hmm. and I, I do agree with you i thought they handled it very well but I loved Carolina's reaction. I mean, there's, you know, the Smith Center takes takes a little criticism for being a little quiet, not one of the best. But the Duke night, man, it was it's not electric. Quiet there. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Quiet. I loved it. I told Mary today. Mary and I were there, and I told her today. I said, you know, when you're sitting in hindsight, like I'm hoarse from screaming the whole time, and I'm thinking to myself, like, when you're really at a game and really into it, and you're like yelling. Later, I thought I was like, you feel to yourself, like, I hope, I mean, I don't really care, but I hope I was like not obnoxious, right? Like there there weren't other people there that because I was so feverishly involved in it, like I was yelling so loud that other people were, and she was like, nah, dude, like you weren't, because you feel, because you're the only person you can hear. And uh, (laughs) And I know how loud I was yelling at the old people and all these whatever next to me are just going just as nuts. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. And I will say sleep. Now that I'm I'm a I'm such a fan and uh, I go to these basketball games and I, I'm out of you know I'm not playing anymore. I uh, so I grew up going to basketball games with my grandpa and um, <laughs> I uh, ever since I was little I loved yelling at the refs with my grandpa because <laughs> my grandpa we used to go to junior college basketball games and Three Rivers Community College is a has a great history of college basketball, one of the best junior college programs in, in the nation. My grandpa, he used to have season tickets, and it was right there at half court, front row, bleacher style. And he used to take me when I was a little kid, and they would be my he would yell at the refs from start to finish. <laughs> and 
after a few games, I started just going in on the refs. <laughs> and it was uh, some of my favorite memories of me and my grandpa just screaming at the refs. And so now that I've gotten older, I love going to games as fan as a fan and just yelling at the refs because it's such a it's such a fan thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh it, it it is part of the sport. And I know that I was sitting at the scores table, but I was trying to be calm. But when they made those two calls yeah, you and I disagreed with that. you weren't I was I, stood I, was, I was watching you. I stood up <laughs> and I made it a point to stare down the refs and say, <laughs> I my favorite line is no way. No way. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, I made a point to stare them down and let them know about that one. But I thought for sure it would be really embarrassing if they honored me at halftime. <laughs> and then late in the second half, they told you me, you got to go. Yeah, you you got to get too here. loud. Get out of here. But I was loud. But my guy, uh, Sheed. Sheed, Matthew, not Rasheed Balls, Matthew yeah. Roberts behind me. <laughs> He let him have it the whole game, the whole game. I mean, I mean everything you could think of. He was letting him have it. It was on the amazing. Other side of the stadium. So she is one of our good friends. Anybody that's like historical Sleephawk Worldwide fan, she used to do like uh, like picks for us, uh, just because we didn't know. What, I mean, like guys, I, I was telling this story a lot that I don't think a lot of people realize is the reason this podcast even started was because we were making fun of podcasts. And <laughs> next thing you know, we've been doing it for like three, four years. Well, early on, we're like, we don't know what to do. So we let Sheed make picks and every time Sheed picked anything, I mean, oh. dude, you could hammer the opposite thing to the bank and get rich off of it until that one night we played Miami in football with Javante Williams and Michael Carter and they ran for 891 yards or whatever it was and she'd called it and he's i mean he's still living on it right down on his tombstone but yeah he was <laughs> we're across the stadium dude <laughs> and i mean all i do is i'm sitting he's he, so she's great friends with marcus she is sitting courtside damn near second row or something and he's up the whole game i mean even when i mean halftime show and stuff. I mean, she's standing up, just pumping the crowd, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, there's gotta be one or two people behind him. They're like, all right, buddy, like sit down for five seconds. She was in it. Um, man, that was, and, and I'll tell you another thing early in the game, I can't remember what it was. And I saw, look, I saw Mondo down low uh, very early. Uh, <laughs> they took four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 steps or something like that for a layup. And they just let, I was like, I looked at, it, I was like, damn, all right, well that works for me. But there was another call. Uh, Roger Ayers, the uh, um, slick back hair. He's slick a good back here. Okay, yeah. he's a good ref. Well, one of the other guys blew, uh, whistled something, and it was like the first kind of bad call. And it, what it resulted in was Duke getting the ball, and they were inbounding from the sideline. And Ayers came up as the other ref was telling the scorers table what the foul was, and he looked at one of our like fans on the sideline, uh, like very. I'm, I'm guessing this dude's been sitting in that seat for. 50 years and they kind of had this look and Ayers was like, like, like that wasn't a very good call. And they kind of laughed at each other. And I was like, you know, so sometimes even the referees don't think the other referee made the right call. They anything they could do about it. I kind of laughed at that. I was like, that's, that's yeah. a weird thing to see. But you know, anyway, we, it was, it was loud in there. It was a great game. It was mm-hmm. loud the whole time too. Great game by the heels. And so so coming off of this, and, and we talked about it last time, we'll touch on it here. You know, <laughs> right before that, this is the, one of the biggest, I think, most important things is we lose that game at Georgia Tech. It's a trap game. We're all worried about it. They look like crap. 
Um, but then it just kind of goes to show that over the course of a season, you're just going to lose some games, man. You can't mm-hmm. win them all. I mean, I guess yeah. you could, but you know, um, it's funny because now it's just like, look, we haven't even talked about it, and ordinarily we would, but it doesn't even matter because they yeah. just they showed up, and bounced back from that. Yeah, and also Georgia Tech is one of those teams that they've lost a lot of games, but also they have some players and they play hard mm-hmm. uh, against quality teams. Like they they smacked Duke when they came yep. uh, to Georgia Tech, so they're a capable team. They also have some big physical guards, and so uh, that can be a problem uh, at times, physical. But life on the road, man, uh, when you're one of the top teams in the country, they're going to have that tough atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech did it. I know from experience I've lost there before. They they can bring it, and it can be a tough place to play once that place gets rocking. Yep, absolutely. My highlight of the night was uh, Greg, your brother, wearing the Poplar Bluff Mules T-shirt. And uh, they honored Tyler at halftime for the Hall of Fame induction a while back which was great well deserved dude i could tell you were just oh you were swimming and i was like we're standing there like dude tyler just cannot wait to not be in the spotlight so funny to me they had us out there for it felt like a year (laughs) i thought we can go out there play the video and i you know waved everybody then i started like oh man i gotta do another round of waves Uh, yeah the second round i looked around i saw i saw my guy over there hoots i was like Gave me a thumbs up. All right, let's go. Let's get off. <laughs> Guy's still reeling off Tyler's stats, and Tyler's like, "All right, man, we gotta get out of here." And uh, yeah, I thought the day the day we go come out and start warming up again by the time they reeled it all off. But it was cool, man. It was I was I was happy to see you get that uh, that credit because you deserve it, man. Thank um, you. It was fun. And Greg, man, the Poplar Bluff Mules. He's always uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows the moment. Oh, listen, Greg is not a fashion icon. I don't know if he he just. <laughs> He was probably digging for something for Carolina Blue and saw him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that shirt's oh, about man. 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, it's got to be, man. I oh, mean, yeah. It's like Poplar Bluff Mules. I didn't even notice that until I saw one of the pictures they posted. Um, but, yeah, anyway. So, heels uh, on a roll. What do we got next? Uh, Clemson. Clemson at home. So, yep. And uh, Clemson is a very good team. Yeah. Now, at one point, they were one of the – better teams in the country and catching a lot of, um, you know, hype. They do have one of the better, better bigs. And if you're looking for a matchup, look at PJ Hall versus Armando Baycott. Mm-hmm. We went into Clemson earlier uh, in the year and Armando had another big game. And there was a lot of hype about who's the best big in the ACC. And at the time people were saying PJ Hall, well, Armando went to Clemson, did his thing, and proved that, hey, I'm still Armando. It was one of those type games, and he came big through us. And uh, obviously, coming off of Duke, uh, you know, having such a big game, I'm going to see if he can carry this momentum because he's going to need to. Uh, uh, Clemson has two good bigs, P.J. Hall and uh, Shefflin, who's uh, one of those little dirty worker guys, gets a lot of rebounds, scrappy player. Uh, so it's going to be tough inside, but it's going to be a battle of bigs. Clemson, Clemson's a good team, so it's going to be a tough game for us. Well, I love Mondo's comment after the game. I mean, you can take that either way. If you're not a Carolina fan, you probably don't like it, but basically saying, hey, man, ACC comes through me. I like that because it signifies to me, and, and Hubert, I think, said this in like some post games about how, you know, he sat down and told him that he needed to put up numbers and he didn't, they needed him back the way he was. You know, I think anybody's looking at it and sees a couple games where he's single digit points, single digit rebounds and stuff like that and is wondering, like, you know, is everything good with him? And uh, yeah, to so see him come back and, and, and again, 
we've said this for a couple episodes in a row now. Like, I still don't think that like we've had a night, at least that in a game that mattered, where everybody's on. Mm-hmm. And we haven't really had one where everybody's off either, which I think that's a lot more. Um, I think that would be a lot more uncommon. But, uh, you know, when we come up and play, uh, you know, in the tournament and all that sort of stuff, like if, if Armando gets rolling and we have a night when RJ's hitting two and Ingram's hitting also, and then you're getting, you're getting contributions. I mean, dude, we're just going to steamroll people. Oh, yeah. Um, nobody's going to beat us on a night like that at all. Nope. Nobody. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got, let's see here. I'm just, Looking at the schedule, we've got Clemson at home, at Miami, at Syracuse, against Tech at home, at Virginia. You know, ACC's not all that great, but three of the next five on the road um, before you get three at home and then go to Duke in the season, in, in the regular season on March 9th. So we're about um, about a month away. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left. And we certainly look great right now. So, uh, Super Bowl Sunday next week. Uh, and I think this is Super Bowl 58, um, LVVIII or something like that. Um, 49ers Chiefs. I mean, I guess it's going to be a good game. I don't know what it is about this one in particular. Um, I'm not like here, here, let's get on the, let's get on this train. Do you think Brock Purdy's a system quarterback? Well, hell, sleep. I don't know enough about football to know what a system is. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I think he's, I think he's, um, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And my take is he's got some of the best weapons, and you can never knock a quarterback for having good receivers because you could give me a quarterback that hasn't had great receivers and tell me yeah. how good their career has been, uh, but. No, the reason I like him is because I like throwing quarterbacks. I'm not a big uh, guy that really likes a dynamic running quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you know they really win much. And right. uh, Lamar Jackson is probably going to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Listen, I haven't seen him. Has he won a Super Bowl? I don't think so. No. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I just think the throwing quarterbacks, and if he is a system quarterback, he's a hell of a system quarterback. Yeah. And uh, Tom Brady, uh, is he a system quarterback? Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody kind of like anybody that wanted to make that argument sure shut up about it once he left and went to a different system and did the exact same yeah. thing. Um, I agree with you, man. I think I think Brock Purdy's is great. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be a good quarterback for a long time. He makes the right throws, makes throws on time. He's accurate. And, and he understands the system. He can execute the system. So, I mean, he makes throws. And it's funny because, look, and the same thing that happens, like every time I watch a Victor Wembanyama game, I think to myself, I'm like, I wish I could just text Wayne Ellington and just be like, dude, my bad. You're right. <laughs> I mean, because it's funny. Because my point there is when you listen to what NFL players have to say, it's like, dude, this guy's for real. Just like when, when you listen to what NBA guys have to say, so when a dipshit like me comes along and says that Victor Wimanyama is going to bust, like, you know, everybody gets it. And, and, and so I, uh, at least I try to learn my lessons along the way. So I listen to what all these, all these other his teammates and other people are saying, and they're like, man, this guy's, this guy's legit. And a team isn't going to rally around a guy that's not, you know, we see that happen a mm-hmm. lot. So um, yeah, I think, I think he's a weapon. Uh, you know, 
the Chiefs are astounding to me how they always just manage to get it. I mean, this, this is the they went to six straight AFC championship games. Now they're in the Super Bowl for like the fourth time in the last six years, or maybe it's three, but still, it's a lot. Um, I think it's gonna be a great game. It's in what Vegas? Yo, hell yeah, it's in Vegas. It's <laughs> gonna mean, be great. God bless. It's gonna be a great uh, place to have it, and uh, I think they should have it there every single year. <laughs> but I guess they got a. I guess they have a team there, so they can't do that. But yeah, I, I mean, I w- I'm, I'm not going to argue on that. You know, I think Vegas is a great sporting venue for anything. They can handle about anything you want. Uh, Sleep. I, I have a question on yeah. Purdy. All right. He to me, it's not even close. I think Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And um, yeah, and the money and. <laughs> Some people will fight you to their graves thinking that Dak Pros- Dak Mm-mm. is a great quarterback. No, no comparison. I, I would take Purdy over Dak. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I, Brock Purdy is going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL when his contract comes up for if he wins the Super Bowl, especially. I mean, and and the thing about Prescott, and and this is, look. <laughs> I mean, if anybody should be like stating this case, it should be somebody in your position because I ain't been at a competitive athletic event other than like a slow pitch softball game in 20 years. But it's something about when Prescott, when the pressure's on and the playoffs, I mean, it just, dude just melts down. And, and Purdy's the exact opposite, you know? Mm-hmm. When, I mean, and you got to think about Purdy from the standpoint of like the pressure was on him consistently because. He's fighting for his job last last season, right? And they just win and win and win and win. And everybody's chirping about whether, you know, this year, literally this year, in the beginning of the year, the chirp was, who should they start? Purdy, Sam Darnold, or Trey Lance? And I mean, how silly does that look now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think Purdy is, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's, uh, I think Christian McCaffrey's MVP. But other than McCaffrey, and look, Lamar Jackson was awesome. But if I I think I think if you didn't if if Matt McCaffrey's not the MVP I think Brock Purdy is personally I mean I think he's that good dude just doesn't turn the ball over reminds me of Aaron Rodgers I mean just makes the right throw all the time and other than a stretch of three bad games they're like eighteen and four <laughs> since he started I mean it's just like unbelievable dude just doesn't lose um, that part is also forgotten and like is this guy a uh, what do they call him a it's a system quarterback and then a, a a game manager. Those are the those are the, dude. The guy fucking wins. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I, I mean, I almost made it through a whole episode without doing that, man. You're good. I uh, I'm working on it, man. Even my dad's man. You chill, man. All right. So, you know, <laughs> come a long way. And I was even standing there at the game, just trying to daggum it, like doggone it, like shoot. And a couple times, I caught myself just like letting it fly. And I was like, man, there's like kids around here. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they're. They were yelling too, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, you you still got the 49ers. I'll tell you, I don't know. I said the Chiefs were pretenders in our uh, segment a couple weeks ago. As shows how much I know. Um, feels like the 49ers got like a little chipped up, a little banged up. Um, I think it's gonna be a close game. I tell you what, <laughs> you better buckle up because if you don't like Taylor Swift, it don't matter. You can get it shoved down your throat for about the next seven days because as soon as this, she's got a concert in Tokyo and I don't remember if it's before or after the Super Bowl. It's after. After. And they basically got it all calculated. Oh, like, yeah. She ain't going to be on the field 
after the game. She's going to be actually, no, I take that back. Cause she's supposed to get there a day early. Yeah. She's good. So she's I'm a big Swifty. I love and Taylor Swift. I'm a big Swifty. Yeah. And no, I'm joking. No. Nice. My, I, man, my bro, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she, she's going to the game? Oh, 100%. No doubt. Right. No doubt. This I is hope. big for her. Look, look, I'm not one of those. Look, Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift. There's like no, this thing ain't making her, but this is making her bigger deal. Yeah. Which is hard to do because she's a big Oh, man, deal. it is. She's big. Yeah. 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 Look, man, everybody's hating on it. I mean, that's like, whatever, dude. I think it's, I think it's fun and entertaining. Like, yeah, I, I like who, it. Who gives a shit how many times, like everybody's mad about how many times they show her on TV. It's like, buddy, what would you rather watch? Like a uh, mesothelioma commercial or what? I mean, like, who wants, <laughs> who's going to sit here the whole time anyway and everything going to play for four seconds. The fact that it, you can say that, I it mean, just shows you how much it's on TV. Oh my God. I mean, like, I mean, okay, Super Bowl commercials are going to be a little better, but I mean, come on. I'll look at, I'll, I'll check out what Taylor Swift's doing in the, in the booth. I mean, she better not be slugging them back, though. That'd be a long flight to old Tokyo. She's uh, going in on the uh, fireballs up there or something. How you far? I, mean? I think it's about 13 hours. Where is in Vegas? It's so about Vegas, 13 hours, 14 really? hours. Oh, that yeah. doesn't even seem that bad. No, it's yeah, 16 it's to Hong Kong. On the West Coast. She's on a private jet. Probably got a bunk bed in there, man. Yeah, I mean, she's good. Like, yeah, she, she ain't flying coach. Yeah. Yeah, she ain't in the middle seat. I tell you that much. Um. All right, dude. We got right up on it, but we're going to talk real quick about I don't even care about a trade deadline. I think here's what I'm going to tell you about the trade deadline. And I'm, I don't care if anybody cares or not, because I care. Jonathan Kaminga ain't going nowhere. Okay. Everybody sort of like started to fall on, fall asleep on my man here after he fl- flipped out on, uh, you know, said it. He didn't feel like coach, like Steve Kerr appreciate him. You know, he is statistically a top 10 player in the NBA since that happened. Dude's averaging 26 a game. Do you, do you think they'll keep playing them, or do you think they're trying to show? Oh, absolutely no trade way. Deadline? There is no way they trade this guy. No way that if they trade Jonathan Kaminga, I will do the entire next podcast of my shirt off, and I do not want to do that. Believe me, I do not want um, you to do that either. Okay, well, wait. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. He ain't going nowhere. All right, all right, nowhere. Uh, all right. He's playing it, at an all-star level. Are you watching this, dude? His true shooting. I'm not. Percentage? I'm not. Dude, I'm not. I'm telling you. All right. I'm. Um, one's because they play about 1 a.m. around. Yeah, here. well, that, that, uh, I've definitely, um, been doing a lot of like watching the game the next day, but, um, his, um, gosh, man, I did a nice little call out, but I forgot. I, I, uh, cause your boy Jeff Goodman threw some heat at him on Twitter. And I was like, and, and it's ever since that tweet and the haircut. I don't know if anybody follows dude, but two guys haircut. And then some guy said that uh posted a picture of Mickey Mouse with no ears, and even John the Kaminga liked it. And some guy said, I've never seen somebody I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna scale back the language, but he said, I've never seen somebody um whose barber messed him up get more confident. And uh I mean, dude, his first haircut, like everybody was trashing on it, and all of a sudden he started got in the starting lineup and he's he's getting twenty a night. He's had a run of eight straight games with twenty. He had sixteen last night, but Steve or uh Steph Curry shot the ball ninety-nine times, had sixty last night, and they still lost. But uh and he's not just, you know, he's shooting like 
60, almost, I think he's shooting like 63% from the floor. Shooting 48 from three. Shooting 75 from the free throw line. Rebounding 6-6 six, six a game. Rebounds. Two or three assists. two ste- Almost two steals a game. Not turn the ball over. He fouled out last night. But I'm telling you guys, he's an all-star next season. Big deal. Okay. Speaking of all-stars, he's not an all-star this season. That's for sure. He got snubbed from future stars game last year. Um, there's a lot of all-star snubs, but the trade deadline, it, all of a sudden, like Zach Levine got hurt. And I don't know. I don't think anything interesting is going to happen. The trade. It's going to rain. Hey, we'll hear some rumors. I think it's what? February 8th. Yeah. I mean, Somewhere, it is uh, one of those days. It's coming up. Wednesday. There's going to be, there's going to be Thursday. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a little bit of, they're going to be a little back and forth. There's going to be some rumors thrown around. I will tell you my craziest trade uh, story that I've seen in the NBA yeah, is there's, there's a hard trade deadline. So you trade somebody, it has to happen before 3 p.m. If it happens at 3, 3 p.m. with one second after, trade is done. Doesn't happen. So I was a teammate with Josh McRoberts, and he got traded. Then everywhere ESPN report. Josh Roberts, former Duke player. Yeah, former Dukey. Uh, <laughs> I played with him at the Pacers trade deadline. There was uh, some trade. There was some trade with him involved going somewhere. And all of a sudden, the league says no. The trade wasn't finalized by three p.m. Sorry, and so the trade got denied. So the next day, he had to come back into the locker room. <laughs> All these players that were about to go to some other team, they all went to the locker rooms, and I had to be in the same locker room as McRobert, too. He was a really good teammate. He's a really good dude, too. And he was just like, oh, just going to act like nothing happened, huh, guys? <laughs> the management, <laughs> coaches, everybody, like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, that's got to be just the loved hardest. It. Gosh, because, like, yeah, I mean, you start thinking about all these guys like Andrew Wiggins and – it, look, like I said, I'm not even like a I'm not even a Warriors fan. I just I am now because I like like Kaminga, but I've just always liked the NBA. And uh, you know, all these guys like dude Clay Thompson last night. I mean, that dude couldn't throw the ball in the ocean if he was standing on a cruise ship. I don't know, man. That's who they need to trade. It won't happen. It, it's a, they need to it's a tough situation for the Warriors because I do feel like a lot of franchises walk that line of they have players who have meant so much to the organization, mm-hmm. but do they give them a few extra years and are they extra patient with them just to see if they still have a little bit left in the tank? And um, that's a fine line because you can really set a franchise back years yeah. if yeah. you hold on to some of those guys. And I, I will, I do think that the Warriors – as good as their team once was, I think they're walking that line of whether they should start to develop some of their younger guys like Kaminga and give him a much bigger role because mm-hmm. he could be one of those guys that is the future of that franchise is going to be a big piece. Whereas Clay is Clay, he's had some injuries, he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Do they want to pay him all this money and still have him big, be a big piece and have? Younger guys like Kaminga sacrifice uh, some development, and that is a fine line of setting a franchise back. And uh, if it was, if I were running the program, I'm a big. I believe in developing and taking care of the future, regardless, because Mm -hmm. I don't think 
and I usually stand up for players, but I do not think that uh, the players are as loyal as some franchises sometimes. And I mm-hmm. think it is somebody in yeah, the upper position that gets a mm-hmm. lot of money, they have to make these hard decisions and that's what yeah. they're paid to do. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was running. I, I think that there could be some moves made just to develop the future and mm-hmm. have some of these younger guys, but you still have Steph Curry who still has a lot of good years. I just think the surrounding pieces aren't as good as they once were and they're a little banged up. That's why yeah. I would try to see them make a move. And that's the interesting part too, is like, okay, so, so step apparently, you know, I just read all the time about all this stuff. Cause I've been wondering whether Kamingo is going to go anywhere. And apparently it's like, and as it should be like, nobody's going anywhere without Steph's approval. Mm-hmm. And obviously Steph and Draymond are like, or, and, and, and Clay Thompson are a huge core. Right. And, and Kaminga, notwithstanding, like I, th- I just think Kaminga is a. If I if I were not a Kaminga fan, I would be looking at this thing. Kaminga is a piece that they want to keep. Yep. And the two expendable pieces that they really have under contract are Wiggins and and of course Chris Paul, which would basically have to be, you know, uh, a a cap move. And you know, the hard part is 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 do you do you come off of Clay Thompson because he just had a horrendous year. Um, you know, it, it, for all intents and purposes, and you know, you go there's there's all these rumors out there. You know, you send him like a guy like that to Atlanta for like Dejounte Murray and Clint Capella. You know, they need size; they don't have yeah. it, right. Those are two things, and 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 then that that's the that's the question, right? Is even if they have anybody, because that was the deal with Siakam, they were like, hey, if you if you trade Kaminga or whomever and get Siakam back, but I don't think that makes him a contender, you know, because they're just not going to, it's just not a magic bullet, but you know, with the emergence of Kaminga and then with Draymond back and Wiggins, actually, when they play those three on the floor together, I mean, they've got it. It's a, but they don't have enough depth at that point. Yeah. They got like Corey Joseph and stuff coming in off the bench. I mean, so now the point is, is, you know, if you move a couple of those guys that you really don't want to move, can you now bring in people sneak into the playoffs and get your rhythm. And now all of a sudden you've got guys that have been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, I doubt anybody wants to play the Warriors in the playoffs, regardless of how bad a season they're having, yep. uh, if they're playing well. Right. So, but at the end of the day, a guy like Clay Thompson, you bring up a good point. Like I love, I think Clay Thompson is a cool deal. Like, I mean, I'm not a, not a Clay Thompson fan. Um, and, and somebody that's been there, he's part of the identity of the whole dynasty, basically. And, and it's interesting because, yeah, players tend to not be very loyal. In some instances, of course, like, like teams aren't quite loyal, but this is a, this is a tough one, man, because the fans love him and all that sort of stuff. And like, and, and if you dumped Clay Thompson, it's like, you kind of gotta like, Definitely at least make the playoffs this year. Otherwise, you're like, man, I mortgaged it for what? You know, for nothing. And you got to keep in mind, he's had a torn Achilles. And there is no athlete that has come back from a torn Achilles that's been better than they were prior. Yeah. That changes a basketball player's future. And uh, you're never quite the same. And he's also had an ACL. So there's a lot of mileage and a lot of damage. And, uh, yeah, you've got to weigh that in, and somebody's got to make that hard decision. If it were me, I would try to move on and find some pieces and develop the future and then see if you can't sink into the playoffs and get hot. Yep. All right, guys, before we get out of here, feeling good after a big victory yesterday. Should bring back the always popular 
cookie review. Look, I found this thing today. Look how big this is. Can you see this on the screen? Biscuit. What is that? Look at that. And that is chocolate chip cookie. Nice. That's a good camera. You can't even see the chocolate chips in there, but I promise you they're there. This is from Bolted Bread in Raleigh. And I'm telling you, man, you go up that place on the weekend, shout out Bolted Bread, and it's a uh, line around the corner. Guys, we're going to bring this back. I love you. Sleep right now. God bless, dude. This thing is hard as a rock. Yeah. Well, I've had it in a bag all day. I kind of, like, it was all I could do, guys, not to eat them. I got two of them. I ate one at, like, 9 o'clock this morning because I was feeling good. I mean, these are the size of, uh, you know, hockey puck. Uh, my wife also made banana bread. To be eating a lot of that, it's got chocolate chips in it. A little hard, a little hard. That's my fault. So, this is like you can tell this is an authentic cookie. Like someone made this by hand. Like there ain't no like, mm-hmm. oh, put all this stuff in a big. No, this is like. This is a good cookie. I mean, um, crunchy on the bottom. Mm. Got this high definition camera now, too. It's kind of like, damn, maybe I feel like the world is watching me eat, even though there's a hundred people that are going to watch this video. Um, All right. Somehow, despite its size, I could still eat four of these. And four is like my cutoff for docking points, right? Because if anybody knows me, it's like, I got a sweet tooth, man. I ain't giving you a good review if I can only eat one of your cookies. I don't need a Frisbee. You know, I don't need a cookie, a sheet cookie, right? It's a competition, man. I want to feel like I'm I'm putting them down. So I'm not losing points for that. Um, this cookie would be softer. If I hadn't held on to this thing in my car for like 10 hours. So great cookie. We go 8.1. Wow. Solid rating. It's a very good cookie. Very good. And I also buy a lot of bread from Bolted Bread. As you might imagine, they sell bread. Um, they mill their own flour and stuff. Dude, I'm a big bread guy as well. Uh, sesame pan. Like I don't even buy bread at the store anymore. I'm gluten uh, intolerant. Well, this no, is joking, got, guys. This has got good gluten. I know you are. <laughs> I know you're a big gluten uh, sympathizer. Um, they mill their own flour, so apparently, like the gluten in this stuff is like less hard on you. Break. It. I'm telling you, this is br- like I will go buy a loaf of bread. All right, I'm not even kidding. This is like free advertising for these guys. If you're in Raleigh, um, I'll buy a loaf of bread and like snack on it. It's like that good. So wow. shout out. Um, also, get you some of those crab cakes of the sea. My guy, Jimmy, dude, I texted John to see if he was coming to the game from Jimmy Seafood. He said, man, it's been the longest week of my life because they had the the Ravens. I didn't realize he's not actually a Ravens fan. Really? I would have mm-hmm. never guessed. Me either. But who's his team? I didn't ask. Oh, shit. Um, what an asshole move by me. Um. Anyway, guys. Go heels. I mean, what a game. What a week. We're just, February is just kicking ass already. You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.